Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you, as I often am, though I am lamenting the fact that it's the end of August, so we're not even going to get into that. We don't have time for it. We'll do a separate show entirely. Uh, No, that said, what is coming up later on this show for our inbox, a listener's wondering if Christians should remember the exact date of their salvation to truly be saved. So big time theological question. Our friend, Pastor Mark Bates, is going to answer that question. And then for our culture segment, Jordan Lee Dooley is here. She's an author, entrepreneur, podcast host, uh, host of the podcast She, if you've heard that. Um, guy, guys are like, uh, no, I haven't. That's okay. This, uh, this interview is for you as well, because we're going to be talking about how you respond when you face the disappointment of almost getting something or almost something happening, kind of those disappointments, misplaced uh, hopes in that sense. So stay tuned for that. Okay, for our roundtable today, we have got three of my friends here. We have Sandra, Brittany, and Michael. Hey, y'all. Hey. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to um, the the excitement is palpable. I, I see this here. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about uh, relationships, but specifically, should you post about your dating relationship on social media? So that includes like just photos. That includes relationship status. That includes, you know, w- awkward. Let's be honest. Uh, messages for the person or intended for the person, but now all, you know, 1,200 of your closest friends are listening in. So this uh, is going to be a fun conversation to have because in a world of not only Facebook and Instagram and the usual players, I mean, now we've got real-time video. I mean, we're doing TikToks, we're doing Reels. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty wild in this space. So, um, So let's get just generally your thoughts about this. Like, what, let's talk about how you see people announce or declare relationships on social. Like, what does it usually look like among your friends groups or, or for yourself, past or present? Um, I feel, okay, I'm not on any sort of social media that you have to update a status with, or maybe I am and I just don't know how <laughs> because I'm technologically challenged. So you're still in ninth grade on most of your channels? Pretty I much. Mean, pretty much. Okay, yes, okay. haven't haven't updated any relationship status. I think most of my friends, it's just a post that's like, happy three months or whatever okay. it is. And then everyone's commenting like, OMG, what? Like, didn't know you were dating or, oh, you guys are a couple goals or, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, I feel like it's announced just by a picture and some sort of mushy okay. caption. Okay. Well, I was going to yeah. say, there has to be either a yeah. caption or you have to be doing something that insinuates that you're a couple. Otherwise, you could just, right. you can't just be hiking with someone and have it be like, hey, we're dating. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. That makes mm. sense. Sandra, how about you? Well, on Facebook, I know that you can, like, change your status to be in a relationship. Yeah. Um, I see that a lot. Or, you know, people showing that they're engaged. And I'm just like, didn't even know you were dating someone. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, So I think it depends on the person. But a lot of the times I just see, like, so-and-so is in a relationship. And then there's all those comments and yeah. likes and everything. So. Well, and it seems like if someone is in a relationship and they don't include the person that they're in a relationship with, because you can be specific, (laughs) in a relationship with 
tag their profile. But mm-hmm. a lot of people just put it out there. So then you have like the million question of who go tell me the story. What's the deal? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So yeah. either that person is not on social and then mm-hmm. they're all elusive and you have questions about them in that sense. Or you're like, oh, are you too good for us that you're not on social? Or, <laughs> or they're fake. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or they just don't like want to get involved in the, mm-hmm. the hubbub of stuff or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know, Michael, what's your experience? Yeah, I would say kind of the same thing with like the inner relationship status is like a huge thing that people are serious about these days. Um, I think that it's it's kind of funny to see how a lot of people will post different different things. Like some people will post like a picture of them kissing on the first day of dating. And I'm just like, okay, that's like a little bit unnecessary. <laughs> um, and then some people will post like holding hands and stuff. And I, I think that it's there's like a whole different it depends on the person but everybody posts different things but i think that everybody has in common they want everybody to know that they're in a relationship because if anybody else doesn't know then there's something wrong yeah so okay so if you guys tell me from personal experience or from friends you know if you are in a relationship is it kind of expected for you to post about that or do you like how i mean how have you felt that communication needs to happen because I feel like there's kind of a pressure to be like yeah "Yeah, I need to know if you're in a relationship so one I don't ask you out or two you know I have (laughs) some context for where we are in our friendship and especially with long distance folks it's like how else do you find out this stuff but how do you feel about that the whole announcing of it at what time and stage and all that kind of stuff is appropriate I feel like you have to be with someone for a decent amount of time before you post them. Like Michael's example of like day one kissing pick, like I'm not really about that. It's like you're so early. Who the heck knows what's going to happen? <laughs> I used to have like a timeline. Like I had to be dating someone for six months and then it was okay. But, you know, then I'd still break up and whatever, you mm-hmm. know. I never really deleted any pictures until I started dating my current boyfriend, which I still waited a long time before I posted a picture of him. But the thing is, is I kind of just figure anyone who's close to me already knows. So it shouldn't really be an announcement Mm -hmm. except for all of the distant friends, you know? Mm -hmm. So if people are surprised, I'm kind of like, meh. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Like, I don't care enough, I guess. Yeah. But... No. I mean, most of my friends um, that I'm still friends with are from college. And so everybody's just kind of spread out. And then I um, did a couple of internships across the country. So a lot of the people that I know are from far away. And so for me, it was important to post about my relationship, not just because I was like, hey, look, he's so cute. Like, I wanted everybody to know. Um, but also because those people are important to me and I might not get to connect with them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like when they post too, because I'm like, oh, you know, I remember when she was in high school and like was so sad about being single. And so I'm really excited for her and praying for her and her new boyfriend and stuff. I mean, day one of when my now husband asked me to be his girlfriend, I was like, okay, can we change it? Like, I want everybody to know. (laughs) And he was like, okay. You know, he was a little bit slower. Um, He's actually previously married. And so he was like, I just want to, you know, take my time because, you know, all of my friends and stuff. 
I don't want them to think anything like, oh, he's rushing into this or, you know, things like that, which I think could be an issue when people do post all the time Mm -hmm. about new relationships. It's like, oh, here's another one. And so you have to be careful. I would say um, it there's I, f- I feel like there's a lot of pressure in social media in general, um, to especially like in modern day. I feel like there's so many people that feel like they have to post something just to make other people happy. And so I think that's whenever it's kind of like drawing the line. It's like, OK, um, I'm posting this because I want everybody to know that I'm in a relationship, which it, I think it's it's fine if somebody knows you're in a relationship um, via social media. But I think it's important to, like, check your heart if like mm-hmm. if you just feel the pressure or do you, are you posting it because you're excited? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because just yesterday, actually, I was in a conversation with a friend and she referenced the fact that a mutual friend of ours was now engaged. And then she was like. Oh, but, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I actually should probably confirm that. I'm not even totally sure, but I thought I saw something on social. And I'm like, that is often how it plays out. Like, did I see that? Did I see a ring picture? Like what? But then she didn't want to just perpetuate something that wasn't true. And so it was funny how we both felt like we had to go back and like check to very, it's like like Snopes, you know, of social media. Like, (laughs) let's make sure that we're actually reporting the facts. Um, But I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Now, how kind of to your point, Sandra, of what you were saying, Sandra and Michael, since you're both recently-ish married, how many people do you have on your social media feeds who didn't even know you were married until you changed that status? I mean, obviously, all these high school people, you can't be in contact with every single one of them, Sandra. Yeah. So how my husband and I like went about this was a little different because we were long distance. And so, um, you know, posted that we were in a relationship the day that we were in a relationship. The engagement was a little bit different because we picked out rings and everything. And then I went back to Missouri. He couldn't actually propose. And so, you know, I went and bought my wedding dress and like went and told people around me, um, just like the people that I would see on an everyday basis. Um, And then a month after we picked out the rings, he actually proposed. And so I was like, okay, now we can tell everybody but we had already picked our wedding date that was three weeks after he proposed. And so we're like, how do we now like tell people, oh, we got married and they'll be like, oh, well, it's been three weeks. Like, what are you doing? So, um, you know, we told the people closest to us and then we posted about our engagement in March and then we got married in April, but we posted about it after I moved out here to Colorado in May. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it did surprise a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, just the ones that are, you know, further away and everything. But everybody was really happy and excited for us. And we shared our wedding video and all of that stuff. So mm. it ended up really good. But yeah, like I said, my husband was previously married. So like, especially his friends seeing an engagement post and then three weeks later, a wedding post. Mm-hmm we think we would have gotten very different reactions. Okay. Yeah, I would say with um, Lauren and I, um, when we first started dating, we posted a picture and then, well, I posted a picture and then whenever we got engaged, I posted a picture and when we got married, I posted a picture. So <laughs> it was just like that timeline. That's enough, folks. That's yeah. all you're getting. And so that's okay. all anybody got from me. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people were like, you're married? Like even now, I still people come up to me and they're like, I did not know you were married. And so... 
um, I would say that's kind of also because when I was like in high school, I would post every single picture possible with every girlfriend that I had. Yeah. And, and then I would delete them like all immediately as soon as it didn't work out. And then I would post again, like two weeks later with somebody, you know, like (laughs) it was, it was like just chaos in high school and so people <laughs> so people whenever I changed how all did sudden, anyone do school work that's what I want to know <laughs> yeah, I have no idea but um but whenever we you know I started dating Lauren then I was just kind of like you know I'm older now and I just thought that the social media I kind of stay away from social media so people okay. were like what's the what's the deal like why aren't you posting every single thing like you used to and yeah so that's definitely made a difference but um, and I still get from Lauren, like, why aren't you posting anything? Like, like our, your last photo <laughs> well, on social media is when you got married. So, Well, okay, so that brings up a good point because I would, you know, two of you are married. Brittany's in a relationship. Do you actually have to have conversations with your significant other about who's posting what or how much do you post or can I post this? Or clearly Lauren's upset that Michael's not posting. <laughs> like, are we even married? Do you even care about me? What are we doing? This relationship isn't real until I see four photos out there. I mean, yes. so there is kind of that weird pressure about like, who's okay with what? How do you guys navigate that? Well, we, my husband, JC and I had a lot of conversations about this because as I've said like five times now, he was previously married. So he was like, I don't want people to think certain things about us and then not take you as seriously. Hmm. And so um, there was that. And then he's my first really serious relationship. So I was like, I want everybody to know. Everybody needs to know I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And so um, we had a lot of conversations about it. And we eventually came to a consensus of like, post big things that we want to remember that we want people to share in with us. And so, um, like we went on a big trip just up to, it wasn't like really far, but it was a big trip for us. And so we posted about that just because it was so fun. And like, we put a lock on, um, I think it was like the love sign in Loveland. Hmm. So we took pictures and usually he's the first one that's like, I'm going to post this. Because he is on Facebook more. He has even more widespread friends. And so he's like, I want to post this. Um, And often after he posts something, I was like, I was going to post that picture. How dare you? (laughs) And so we've had just, you know, conversations like, I'll post this. You can post that. Like, it's okay. Yeah. which is so funny because yeah. my first thought in that isn't about like who's sharing the actual experience first. It's like you can post it, but I better look at that photo to see if I look okay because that's the biggest <laughs> factor right here, man. You're not I just mean, posting willy nilly, okay? I mean, <laughs> no, <laughs> just yes. funny. You know, our own insecurities come out. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Well, Brittany, have you guys had a combo? Um, we have uh, kind of. Neither one of us are super, super huge into social media. I definitely am on it more than him. But, like, his front page of his Instagram has, like, three pictures of goats when he's hiking. And then it's like, <laughs> you swipe three goats over, and then it's, like, a cute picture of, like, him and his friend. And I'm like, <laughs> How do this I makes rate? no sense. Um, but, yeah, honestly, we don't really talk about it a whole lot because neither of us care enough Mm -hmm. i the other day i don't know how long ago this was not too long but it was national girlfriends day and so i called him and i was like 
I can't believe you haven't sent me anything. You haven't posted anything, like really freaking him out. And he was like, gosh, like it's August or July, like nothing important with us has happened. And I'm like, well, you haven't been on Instagram today, have you? So then he went and made like a really funny post as a joke because Uh I was giving him a hard time about it. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know. We don't really talk about it much. It's just kind of whatever happens, happens. Usually it's outdoorsy posts of us hiking or kayaking or something and yeah it's a short caption i'm not professing my love for him <laughs> yeah. or anything like i feel like that's something that's really personal that we both i guess we've talked about that like we agree yeah on that but yeah okay that's yeah, good yeah i would say laura and i do have conversations about who's gonna post what but at the same time i don't really post very often so mm-hmm. um i just kind of leave it to her mm-hmm. i don't really you know I don't like the pressure of posting on social media because personally for me, I'm like, what do I write for a caption? Like, what filter do I put on it? And there's all this pressure behind it. And I just I just personally do not like doing it. So um, I I just leave most of that to Lauren. Okay. well, here. okay. let's take a moderate departure. We can either tell on ourselves and talk about ourselves or you can talk about other people, because I will say I'm going to show my hand here. And say that one thing that kind of annoys me, and I really see it more from married people who are like constantly talking about their spouse, although it's dating people too, in the third person about like lauding them about various things. And it's like, is the person even reading this? Is why are you telling kind of to Brittany's point, a mm-hmm. conversation that really should be in person between <laughs> us, but you're just posting it. Like you're talking to them and all of a sudden we're all just eavesdropping on your conversation. And, you know, I see it from married people a lot where it's sometimes they'll say like, my husband's not on social media, but I need to say that he's the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, or maybe say it to him. I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. What do you think is behind that? And does that annoy you guys too? Maybe it's just me. I think it's bragging. Like people are just wanting to say, oh, look at how great I have it. Yeah. Um, because when they're not on social media, why do it? Yeah. And so it actually drives me nuts. I see it often. Even like birthday posts for your two year old oh, saying yeah. like they're not on social media. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's good. <laughs> and then them saying yeah. like, but happy birthday to the best kid ever. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, did you do anything for them in person or did you yeah. just do this yeah. post? Or the boyfriend husband post that's like, oh, look what for for no reason at all. He bought me this and it's like some hundred dollar bouquet or something. And it it is like a little braggadocious or the, mm. you know, he made another five course dinner for me. And usually <laughs> he only does it twice a week. But this week he did it five <laughs> times a week. And I'm like, well, wouldn't that be awesome? You know, so, yes, I see exactly what you're saying. It It just kind of is weird. It smacks of like. And just a lot of time and effort put into them. It just weirds me out. I don't know. I feel like sometimes people can question your relationship based off of what you post or don't post. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I had someone say to me, like, oh, it doesn't seem like you guys are really into gift giving or something, which neither (laughs) one of us like greatly value that. But I'm like, well, that's because I don't post that he just sent me flowers or like I don't post like the things like I send him a pizza like I don't we don't post those things because like there's no no huge need other than to yeah show it off you know which I feel like that's a personal part of a relationship too you know it's obvious you need to question yours Brittany because there's only three goat pictures on your boyfriend (laughs) so I I mean that needs to change because that's concerning the goats are featured more than me (laughs) exactly so definitely concerning I don't know Michael how about you 
Um, I think that uh, I feel like a lot of people post those like third person posts. Um, just I feel like that a lot of times they just want to show their appreciation for that person in a public way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but I feel like today, like a lot of people really appreciate that on social media. I feel like technology is such a big part of our lives that if somebody sees, so say I saw if I saw Lauren posted something like that on her Instagram, and I don't use Instagram, but if I was with a friend and he showed that post to me. Um, I'd be like, oh, that's really nice of her to say that, you know, mm-hmm. I, and mm-hmm. I don't think it should be sappy. I don't think it should be like, I love you so much. Like all those like heart emojis. I think that's a little bit too much, but, yeah. um, I, I can see why people do it. Yeah. So. That's, yeah, that's some good balance, I think, because I think that affirmation, especially in front of others is a good thing and it's mm-hmm. very yeah. encouraging, especially when it's specific and, you know, definitely meaningful and stuff. So I think that is good balance. And I think those of us who are single and listening, we need to be okay with that. We need to be okay. You know, it doesn't help anyone when we're just jealous or we're, you know, cynical or or dissing Mm -hmm. someone else because of that. Because you know what? If God has it in your future, your day's going to come. And so we Mm -hmm. can be rejoicing with others who rejoice in that space too. So I think that's good. But um, all right. Any last bits of wisdom for folks as they're thinking about social media or how they utilize it in a relationship context? I would say um, as people post on social media about your relationships, like um, especially in like as Christians, I think it's important to like represent Christ and what you're posting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that appearance is important. So I you, you don't want like to post something that other people are going to take the wrong way. So just like be mindful of what you're posting and make sure you're representing Christ in your relationship. Yeah. Well, and it also is a great self-check. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the person is going to question like, okay, I mean, I could, I'm thinking of an example of like, okay, why are you sitting on her bed or something? What's going on there? Are you living yeah. together? Are mm-hmm. you whatever? Exactly. And even if you're not living together, it's like, yeah, that's a good check. Why are you sitting on her bed, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or whatever? And so I think that there are some good um, self-checks for that. Good point Absolutely. to bring up. I think although you need to be careful, like social media still isn't the most important thing. Like I Mm -hmm. don't really read that deeply into anything Mm -hmm. personally that I post. Mm -hmm. And granted, I don't think I post anything that's controversial really, but I just feel like people are a little too invested. And if you just take a step back and realize like, oh, I'm just posting this so that my family and friends from far away can see what I'm up to. And, oh, I think we look cute. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Like, I don't feel like you have to really read into it. Yeah. 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 And that also speaks, I think, to quantity, too. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, again, another self-check of, like, do you need to be chronicling every twist and turn of your relationship on social? It's like we all need to, relationship or not, get into real time and real space with people much more. So I think that's a good reminder. Yeah. Um, I would just say to be intentional and something that I would think about because especially if you're in a dating relationship, is this person my future spouse? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so um, you just want to be like respectful and honor whomever your future spouse is. And so Mm -hmm. um, I think like sharing a lot of, oh, I can't wait. Like I want to spend the rest of my life with this Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. that you've been dating for five days. Um, Just like being cautious of that and being intentional in what I'm posting. Is this something that 
would honor my future spouse if it's not the person that I'm posting about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's good wisdom, y'all. Ah, oh, thank you so much for sharing and for. I'm gonna jump on all your feeds right now and see what <laughs> what actually is true about what was said here. I mean, it's all good. No, but thank you guys so much for being part of this. Thanks so much. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Love so deep, you jump right in and just keep falling. Love so high, all the stars can't comprehend. And love so wide, east and west can wrap their minds around it. Your love is boundless, your love is boundless. And love so deep, you jump right in. Keep falling Love so high All the stars can't comprehend Love so wide East and west can wrap their minds around it Your love is boundless Your love is boundless Well folks, we're here for this week's culture segment And I am here with Jordan Dooley. Uh, you may know her. I mean, she's a uh, speaker. She's an author. She's a blogger. She is the host of the podcast She with Jordan Lee Dooley. So many of you maybe know her from there. Uh, also, as I mentioned, an author, she wrote Own Your Every Day, Overcome the Pressure to Prove and Show Up for What You Were Made to Do. And uh, But today we're going to talk about a new book, Embrace Your Almost, Find Clarity and Contentment in the In-Betweens, Not Quites and unknowns. And uh, as I was saying to producer John prior to this, uh, otherwise known as basically my entire life. So Jordan <laughs> Lee Dooley, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, same. It's my entire life as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, very good. That, that's good to, you know, strengthen numbers in that sense. So, um, well, obviously, you have the word almost in the title. And so I kind of want to jump in and have you share just so everyone can kind of get on the same page. When you're talking about almost, what kinds of things mm-hmm. are you talking about? Because I think it can be easy for us to extrapolate of just like, well, let me tell you, you know, kind of what I was joking about. Mm-hmm. My whole life is terrible. So mm-hmm. what, you know, what is actually considered an almost and can you give a couple examples of where that's shown up in your own life? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the best way to boil down what I mean by almost is unmet expectation. Something that was supposed to have worked out a certain way or that you thought was going to work out a certain way or that you were even so close to having to work out a certain way only for it to not work out, only for it to go sideways or get delayed or disrupted. And that can show up in a variety of different ways. In my own life, there's been some really, really hard ones and some ones that were just frustrating and disappointing, but maybe not devastating. So, for example, my husband and I, when we first got married, he was playing for the Steelers in the NFL, and we were two weeks away from our wedding and thought we were set for life. And then he got released right before we got married. And we were like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And um, we thought that he would get right back on another team, but that he had an emergency appendicitis. And that caused, you know, a big disruption of his NFL pursuit and kind of eventually closed the door to that dream. And so, you know, we expected something to work out one way, and it really looked like it was going to career-wise. And instead, it kind of got flipped upside down just when we thought, like, just right before the season started, right before everything was going to work out perfectly. So that was one, you know, experience in our life that kind of threw us for a loop, and he had to figure out what he was going to do work-wise. And of course, as a new wife, that affected me as well. And we were on that journey together. So, 
that can happen in a career, um, maybe in a different way. It may look like you almost got the promotion or you were supposed to get the promotion or you thought you'd get the promotion and at the last minute it went to someone else. So sometimes it looks like that. Other times it looks like something really devastating. In our life, we were about to become parents multiple times. And just as it looked like everything was working out and our pregnancies were going, you know, just fine, we would have unexpected losses out of nowhere. And we've had multiple losses. And so those were traumatic and devastating almost, you know, so there's some of those stories in the book as well. So they can be really, really hard and really, really, you know, devastating things like loss. And sometimes it's just frustrating, like, oh, man, the dream of the career didn't work out, or I didn't get the position I thought I would get, or so-and-so, you know, this and that, it didn't work out how I thought. So it's a range, you know, Mm -hmm. of what an almost can look like, but they all boil down to, this is not how I expected my life to look. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's so good that you mentioned that as well, because I think our first instinct um, when anything like that happens, whether it is, you know, more catastrophic or just one of those every days, oh, you know, didn't get it, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. is to think that either we did something wrong, like where did we fail? What did we, you know, what wrong decision did we make? What wrong turn did we make? Mm -hmm. Or that we did something to displease God. And so he's going to hand slap Mm -hmm. us or worse, and he's not to be trusted. Mm -hmm. And I think it could really send us in a tailspin, which is a really Mm -hmm. difficult place to be. You actually use the book to say, and I kind of want you to go here a little bit before we get into some of the particulars, um, you talk about these kind of moments rather than just completely derailing us. And obviously, there's a big mm-hmm. spiritual component here to where do, where are we putting our trust? What's our ultimate mm-hmm. destination? But you talk about how these moments really can help us clarify what we value. Explain what mm-hmm. you mean by that. Yeah, you know, what I found in my own experience when various different dreams or expectations kind of got disrupted or went sideways, whether it was our journey to parenthood or a career not working out or unexpectedly selling our home or just these different stories that I included in the book, it was really interesting because in many of those experiences, they kind of force you to pause, right? Because when your life gets disrupted or your plan or your work or whatever it is that you're just like, you know, chugging along, working on, when there's a big disruption or you get thrown off course, it kind of forces you to pause and kind of look around and reevaluate. And I know for me in various different almost or under expectations, I found myself doing that. I found myself saying, well, what's, what do I need to focus on here? Or is this really something I want to be pursuing? Is it really something I value? And in the book, I open with this story to kind of illustrate the idea and the, and the principle of what I'm trying to get across. I open with a story of when I was a high schooler and I was running track. I didn't really like track. I didn't really care to be good at track. I was just doing it because my friends were doing it and it was fun. Well, I was running a race that I didn't really want to be running because it was a tough race. And I, it was my first meet running this race. And I found myself in the last 100 meters of the race neck and neck for first place, which was shocking to me considering I had never done this before. And so as we were nearing the finish line, this image of Olympic runners that I had seen on television popped into my brain. And I had seen these Olympic runners go to lean over the finish line, trying to just finish, you know, milliseconds before their opponent. So I decided to try that, although I had no experience with that tactic. And instead of leaning over the finish line to finish first, I actually face-planted because my momentum carried me forward. (laughs) And I ended up finishing dead last. I face-planted on the track. All the runners blew past me, and I was laying there with skinned elbows and skinned knees. And the reason that's relevant to this conversation and this question you ask is because I think a lot of times some of the biggest disappointments or most frustrating things in our lives, you know, when we get laid flat out or we trip just, you know, inches before the finish line or something doesn't work out, 
it's like, it's jarring, right? Like we're laid flat on our back, but it's like, I didn't actually really care to be number one on the track team. I didn't really need to win that race. It was just something I thought would be nice or would be impressive to my teammates or my school, but it didn't hold any like eternal weight. You know, it wasn't something I really valued that much anyway, or in the first place. And so that small experience can be reflective of so much in our life where I think sometimes we chase things that we want or we think we want or other people have told us we want or that we should do or should, you know, value. And then when they get disrupted or when they get thrown off course or it goes completely wrong, sometimes we take a step back and we realize, I don't even know if I actually really value this. For example, in the NFL experience where my husband's you know, NFL process didn't really work out, we realized, is it really the NFL that we really want or is it the impact that doing something like that would allow us to have and the lifestyle and the flexibility and things like that. Like we had to kind of reevaluate what is it that we're really after and why versus, you know, in our parenthood journey, for example, we came to the realization that no, that is something we truly value and we need to find the right ways to continue pursuing that. And so sometimes those things that throw you off course and really hurt and kind of burn in the moment, um, do force you to pause. Otherwise, you wouldn't because you just keep going. You just keep pursuing. You just keep doing, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you slow down because life forces you to. Sometimes well, you do get that clarity of what you really value. Yeah. Well, and I can see where, you know, and again, we're talking mostly to younger adults here. You know, that's who Boundless mm-hmm. is. And a lot of folks mm-hmm. who are making a lot of big life decisions now. And, and mm-hmm. it can get to the point where some people are like, well, that's just why I don't want to make any goals because I'm so afraid mm-hmm. to move forward and do that face plant exactly as you said, or have mm-hmm. someone else tell me that I have to uh, change course. So what does that look like? for you what's your advice to a young adult on how do you set goals and move forward confidently in them and then how do you go about recalibrating if you need to yeah well a couple things first I think there's some really critical questions that's really important for young adults but really anybody to ask themselves especially in our world where we are constantly seeing everything that we could do. We're constantly being told or marketed to, whether that's on social media or any other medium of, you know, content that we're consuming. We're always exposed to all the different things our friends are doing and all the possibilities and all the things maybe we should want to do. And it can get really confusing, you know, and I think sometimes we arbitrarily set goals or think we want to do something or pursue something because we see someone else doing it and we haven't even really leaned into, God, is this what you have for me? Is this right for me? Is this aligned with what what my season of life is and I think that unfortunately when we're exposed to all of that while there's good that can come from that it can lead to a lot of confusion and a lot of arbitrary goal setting or a lot of arbitrary desires that don't actually align with like what the Lord has for us and so three questions that I try to always ask myself before I decide to pursue something or set a goal or anything like that is to ask, what do I really want? And what I mean by that is not, do I want a Mercedes or a beach house? Like, I think as Christians, especially, we're afraid to ask the question of what do I want? Because we've gotten so accustomed to thinking, well, what does God want? And, you know, I think if you are, if you are seeking the Lord, like your desires will look more and more like his desires for your life. And so asking yourself, like, what do I really want? is really, in, in if you translate that, it means what do I really value? What do I hope for my life to look like? What kind of impact do I want to have? And, and I think it can be helpful to think about this in like three to five-year increments, because if you try to figure that out for your whole life, you're going to be really overwhelmed, and there's, that's going to really you know, confuse you. So 
think about where you'd like to be five years from now. How would you like to be spending your days? Who would you like to be investing in? How would you like to spend your time? You know, where do you want your energy to go? Like, just try to picture, like, what you would like to be focused on and prioritizing over the next five years. Maybe for you, you know, in the next five years, you want to get married or you want to become a mom or there's these things that you know are important values of yours. And while you may not be able to control the timing or the outcome, you can have a little bit of a vision of where you're headed and just check in and make sure that's aligned with, you know, what the, what the Lord says. But I think we get so caught up in, God, what do you want me to do? And we sometimes forget that he leads not always from the front, but also from behind, allowing us options and just asking us to honor him and whatever those options look like. So anyway, I think the first question is, what do I really want? Or in other words, what do I really value? Because there's a lot of things in the world telling us we should want to have it all and that we can't have it all. And I think that really confuses us. The second question is, why do I want that? Why do I value that? I think that's a really key question because this key question, why, helps us differentiate between what's a goal or a desire that is aligned with what the Lord has for us and aligned with what we value versus kind of arbitrary and maybe influenced by what we saw on social media or what our friend or our sister or someone that we see is, you know, online is doing. So what do I really value? Why do I value that? Or why do I want that? And then once you have a clear why, if your why is just, I don't know, it sounds cool or it'll impress my friends or et cetera, et cetera, like that's not a good reason versus if it's, well, I want to pursue this career goal because it'll allow me more flexibility for when I have a family one day or something like that. That's an aligned good reason to do something, right? It's bigger than just it sounds good or it would be impressive. The third question to follow up with is how am I going to get there? How am I going to pursue it? Obviously, you may not be able to map out the perfect plan, just like with the the track story I told where I had the perfect idea of how I was going to finish first and instead I finished last. So there's a lot of variables you can't control, so that's not really the point of planning. It's more, okay, how do I take one step to get me 1% closer to that? What things are on my plate that are distracting from that direction I want to go? What is taking away from it? Maybe how can I make some adjustments to how I'm spending my time or the places I'm spending my energy, the people I'm surrounding myself with, et cetera, in order to get myself closer to that goal, even if I can't necessarily map out every step of the way. So that's the three questions that I think are really key to ask yourself before you set any kind of goal to make sure that the goals you do set are aligned and are arbitrary. That doesn't guarantee they're going to work out exactly how you thought, but you're going to feel a lot more peace and a lot more confidence pursuing them when you know these are the right goals for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it uh, it actually reminds me of a reading I did this morning in Matthew where, you know, Jesus is pretty much alluding to the fact that Anyway, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be handed over um, to the chief priests and I'm going to ultimately die. And so let me let you in on this story. And Peter's like, "Uh, no, that's not really my vision for you. So let me tell you what I think is going to happen. And Jesus has to say, you know, because clearly Peter is... Um, he's showing up in a way that the best thing that can happen is what's going to evidence power, what's going to make sense, what's going to keep us all comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus has to turn that on its ear. And so I think that's such a great application of this in the sense of it, sometimes it's being faithful in small things and having mm-hmm. goals that are like, you know, what does it look like? I mean, because Jesus follows by saying, here's what you're going to do. You're going to deny yourself, mm-hmm. take up your cross and mm-hmm. follow me. And no one wants to put that on their goal list. So um, mm-hmm. I think that's just 
just a helpful mm-hmm. perspective to have. And to that right. point, um, Jordan, what, you know, what, how do we determine the difference between like our mistakes and our missteps and just the things that we mm-hmm. don't have control over? Like, how do we not keep repeating the same mistakes and just doggedly mm-hmm. trying to achieve something or move in a direction that maybe God's saying, no, I probably have something for you over here. How do we recognize the signs mm-hmm. of that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's tough because sometimes, you know, you can do all the right things and things can still go wrong, right? Mm-hmm. The door can still close. You could still get an appendicitis right before an important camp that would have opened the door, like what happened in my husband's case with football. And so, you know, sometimes things really do just happen that are out of our control. And, you know, unfortunately, I think sometimes we own those as our own failings, like, oh, well, if I wouldn't have eaten this thing or if I wouldn't have gone to this, you know, event or if I would have said, and it's like we can worry ourselves into a craze all day long. But I think when things continue to not work out, even when we try to pursue all the right steps or if we, you know, make a mistake and we learn from that mistake and we correct it and it just doesn't seem to be working out, I think it can be hard to know, like, is it time to release this? Am I, like, is this resistance that I'm coming up against a closed door and God saying no? Or is it a, like, just a challenge? But Because I think sometimes we expect the things that God has for us to be easy. Like, if God has it for us, like, it should just be easy to walk through this door. And that's not always the case. Sometimes there has to be a little bit of a journey, a little bit of endurance, a little bit of a mountain to climb, you know? So that's what makes it so hard to determine. And I think what can be helpful is at least, at the very least, seeking counsel, really leaning into those wise voices in your life, maybe mentors, maybe a pastor, maybe a, you know, a close friend or your spouse, somebody who maybe is not so personally and emotionally involved in whatever it is that you're pursuing, be it a job, a family or something else. And and really ask them like, Hey, am I like, what are your thoughts? Because I'm starting to feel like I've just come up against so much resistance in this area of my life, but I also am not sure if it's time to give up or release it or let go. I don't know if God's asking me to, you know, keep persevering or if he's asking me to quit. Like, I'm just so confused. And sometimes seeking counsel from a few people who are trusted, who know your heart, who are leading you, you know, walking the same journey as you and can and point you to the Lord, um, but also have somewhat of an objective position and not on everything because they're not so personally impacted by your decision or by your goals or by your achieving X, Y, or Z. That can be so helpful with clearing your head because I think we can be so emotionally and personally like connected that it's so hard to differentiate fact from fiction and think objectively about what's going on. And so sometimes seeking counsel from those people that we trust, not everyone on the internet and their, you know, and their brother, but a couple of trusted people. I know there was a big decision I had to make when it came to um, a career move. And I was so unsure of what to do, but I just wasn't feeling peace on continuing, but I also didn't know if it was foolish to stop. And so I had to seek some counsel from trusted mentors and people who had walked a similar road before me and had been in business as a Christian. And they were able to kind of affirm some of the things I was sensing and give me some guidance on what to try next or what to do next. So that can really be, I think we, we forget the power of seeking counsel because we've been told and it's been, you know, jammed down our throats on, online, like don't care about what other people think and set boundaries. And while all of that stuff is important, it's important to lean into what the right people think and the people that God has put in our lives as trusted, you know, wise counsel, whether that's a parent or a friend or a mentor or a pastor or all of the above, leaning into those few people that can guide you and and offer insight can be a really helpful thing. And I think the other thing is ask yourself, like, is what I'm doing or the efforts I'm making, like, is it aligned with God's word? And that can be really hard. And that's why seeking counsel can be helpful because someone, you know, that you trust or has more experience or, you know, can help you understand the word more, can help you kind of determine that, you know? So 
I guess my biggest piece of advice is don't try to figure it out on your own. Go to God in prayer. Don't be afraid to seek counsel, and don't feel like you have to make a decision overnight. I think so often we just want to know what to do, and sometimes God reveals it to us slowly over time, and, and I think we have to be patient with what he leads us to. Yeah. Well, kind of in the last uh, few minutes that we have here, Jordan, I'd love for you to address, this is something that you talk about also in the book, and again, the book is Embrace Your Almost, um, about disappointment. So in the midst of disappointment, Mm -hmm. you actually talk about and really encourage us to create sustainable rhythms and routines that are helpful, you know, for not getting derailed, for not getting so discouraged, for not feeling like God has left us. What personally has worked Mm -hmm. for you? Yeah, you know, I really feel like when when I'm in a place where I feel like I'm spiraling a little bit because life hasn't looked how I want or thought or hoped, um, you can really kind of get into this fog. And so it really helped me to take some some active steps to really create, like you said, some rhythms. And for me, it really depends on what that is. But one thing we implemented practically in our life was to implement a, a weekly Sabbath because I don't know about you, but when I um, – and frustrated with something in life or I'm facing a challenge or I don't like how something's going, I tend to try to busy myself. Like subconsciously, I just start filling my life with distractions so I don't have to think about it. Um, and I started to recognize that habit in myself. And so I realized that while being busy and, you know, having some healthy distractions is not necessarily a bad thing because you can't just sit there and wallow all the time. Um, it can also be an unhealthy thing because it doesn't allow you to rest or really address what you're dealing with or what, what you're experiencing. And so we implemented a weekly Sabbath where for 24 hours over the weekend, pretty much every week, we try to log off of our phones, log off social media, and just be present and do things in our real life to where we're unavailable to the distractions or work or, you know, the Internet and all of the things that kind of take up our time and our mental capacity throughout the week. And instead, we go for walks. We work in our garden. We read. We you know, watch our favorite movie, we make a big meal, we get together with friends for a game night, like we just kind of detach and unplug from all of the work and distractions and busyness, and try to really lean in and get present in our lives. And that always helps me reset, even when I'm walking through a season of disappointment or devastation or unmet expectations, like it helps me kind of soak up real life. Because I think when we're walking through disappointment, and or, or a season that doesn't look how we hoped, we're, when we're constantly seeing what everyone else is experiencing and we're seeing their highlight reels, it only reminds us of what isn't going well in our life. It only makes us feel worse about that thing that we're disappointed about. So giving yourself like a rhythmic pause, a rhythmic break from a lot of that, especially if you're, you know, someone who works from home or works online or works from your phone or anything like that, and I think most of us do, even if we have to go to an office nowadays, it can be hard to, you know, constantly be plugged in. So that is one rhythm we implemented in our life, and our, we try to be as consistent with it as possible, and it makes such a big difference. Yeah, that's so good. Well, obviously, um, there is more in the book, just a lot of encouragement, a lot of stories, folks, of how, um, as Jordan Lee Dooley has been telling us, really, she and her husband have walked through a lot of this, and of course, even um, in elements of the public eye, uh, things that have gone on there. Mm-hmm. So, um, folks, I I want to remind you the book is Embrace Your Almost, Find Clarity and Contentment in the In-Betweens, Not Quites, and Unknowns. And actually, this book
book uh, we would love to make available to you for a gift of any amount to Boundless. If you go to boundless.org, uh, just search for 760. That's this week's episode. And uh, you give a gift any amount, as we often say here on the show, whatever you want to give to help Boundless continue and provide comfort and encouragement and advice uh, to those of you who are walking through young adulthood. And we will send Jordan's book in return. So uh, go ahead and do that. So Jordan, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been so much fun to chat with you, and I hope it's been encouraging. When you move, hearts awaken, broken lives will be redeemed. Here and now, as in heaven, let revival. Folks, we are finishing out the show, and when we do, we open up our inbox, which is one of your questions that we bring in an expert to answer. And today, I have my friend, Pastor Mark Bates. Hey, Mark. Hello, Lisa. (laughs) Good to have you. It's good to be here. Thanks for taking a break from doing, like, multiple weddings, it seems. I'm always on social, and you're just, like, marrying people off and all kinds of, you know, high demand. So that's awesome. But, okay, well, you're going to have to answer this question for Mm -hmm. us today. This is a really, really good one. Our listener says, should a Christian always be able to remember the exact date of their salvation? I was raised in a church that didn't emphasize going in front of the congregation and being public with your salvation in an official way. I personally remember several occasions praying the salvation prayer and feel like Jesus is Lord of my life. But as an adult, I've always had periods of doubting my salvation and wondering if I ever really had a true salvation experience. I now go to a church that does emphasize a one-time decision. 
I feel like I'm the only one without an exact date, and it gives me a lot of anxiety. It doesn't help that people in my small group will talk about theological issues like this in ways that feel judgmental. Mm. <laughs> this is a good one. Wow. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope you don't have to remember an exact date, because I have no idea personally. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Are you even okay. Yeah, I, mean, okay. I might not well, be in the podcast. <laughs> well, you better uh, tell us how you're confident in this then, because yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at what the Bible says about uh, being a Christian, and what the Bible teaches is, of course, that there's a time when you were not in the family of God, you're alienated from God, and then there's a time when you are. So there's a conversion that happens in there somewhere where you are dead in your sin, and now you're a child of God. But as you look at what the Bible talks about this, this new birth, it never really points to experience. In fact, I think that can kind of be, frankly, a little bit dangerous. You're putting your confidence in something you've experienced. Our confidence is not in our experience. Our confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. And so if we look at the whole idea of the new birth, it shows up John chapter 3, where you have Nicodemus coming to Jesus, and Jesus says, you must be born again. And Jesus points out there that, that new birth is by the Holy Spirit. It's not. And then earlier in John 1, two chapters earlier, he said it's not by the will of man, it's not by the flesh, uh, but it's by the will of God. So God is the person who converts. First to last, he does it all. Now, what happens is when we're born again, how you know you're born again is you have faith. We're, we're saved by grace alone through faith alone. And so the question, I think, for anyone to ask about, how do I know if I'm a Christian? It's not look back and say, well, I walked the aisle when I was 12 or at this event or something else. It is, do I trust in Christ as my Lord and Savior? Do I really believe in him? And if we have true faith, one of the evidences of faith, a product of faith is repentance. Have I turned from my sin? Do I seek to follow Christ? Is that, is that a pattern in my life? And so instead of looking to my experience, some event at some time, the question I have to ask, you know, I don't know when this happened. But I do know I believe in Jesus. Mm. I do know I trust in him. And my faith is in him, not some conversion experience. Yeah, that's good. I feel like I'm very good at judging whether other people are saved. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes to the question. But I think it's so great. And too, looking in Scripture, wouldn't you mm. say, Mark, that, um, you know, we know that there are evidences of salvation, right. the fruit of the Spirit. We yes. know what that, you know, the, the fact that you even care about your own sin mm -hmm. is a great indicator. Yeah. And so I think it's one of those things of like every day. Uh, in fact, I remember, um, I feel like it was a guy who uh, came to uh, the church that I go to mm -hmm. now and came and spoke one weekend. And he said something like every day, it's like a reorientation toward the cross. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. a great, you know, it's that, it's that daily walk and that daily understanding of, yes, I'm a yep. sinner. And thank goodness, by God's grace, you know, I am I am saved. And so um, I think that could be a great encouragement. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for weighing in on that. All right, folks. Well, that is it. Um, we always love it when you write in to us with a question that we can answer on the show in the future. And, you know, sometimes we bring in uh, one of our pastor friends like Pastor Mark. Sometimes it's one of our licensed professional counselors. Sometimes, if we're desperate, I even answer a question or two. So um, <laughs> do write into us at editor at boundless.org, and we will get to your question in the future. You can also go to boundless.org and search uh, for questions that we have answered in the past. So I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of boundless.org. Focus on the family. 
From the Kendrick Brothers, creators of War Room and Fireproof comes Life Mark. When David Colton's birth mother unexpectedly reaches out, it leads to a staggering truth from his past. Always wondered if my biological parents think about me. She loved you, and I'm so glad that she made the choice that she did. Inspired by a true story, Life Mark. Starring Kirk Cameron and Alex Kendrick. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Only in theaters beginning September 9th. Theater and ticket information is available at lifemarkmovie.com.